0: podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk If you can remember we joined Jesus last week as we began On his journey up to Jerusalem, we saw him get stopped, if you remember, by those 10 men with leprosy. And Jesus healed them. He told them to to turn and go and show themselves to the priests. And as they went, the Bible says they were healed. As they went, they were healed. As they stepped in faith, God did the rest. Amen? Amen. As they stepped in faith, God did the rest, but only one, if you remember, only one returned. Only one came back bringing his praise to God. Only one came back and received spiritual healing as well as the physical healing that he'd received. So what I want us to do today is keep pressing forward. Easter, as you know, is fast approaching. Time waits for no one is the saying I've heard my parents say. Time waits for no one. Today then, we're in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. Jesus, at this moment, obviously has people following following him along with his disciples, people gathering around him on his journey. And one thing we do know, as we read through Scripture, the New Testament, Jesus does not miss an opportunity to teach the people. He does not miss an opportunity to teach And so here he tells those around him a parable. And we've heard about parables before. They're an earthly story with a a heavenly meaning. They have got some indication as to what we should be doing as his children, how we should be living, how we could be living, or probably in some cases as we read through the parables, perhaps are living, and the way then that we should be living. And he wants to continue in this moment to set the record straight on what's been taught by the Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees? You remember them? Teachers of the law? These people that were just a cut above, weren't they? You know? That's how the Bible depicts them. That's the reality of the society that we're in and what we're looking for here is what Jesus has got to say about that and how he's going to deal with what the disciples and those that are around about him are going to see as they enter up into Jerusalem. These Pharisees, for years, have been lording it over everyone, showing how good they are, telling people how wonderful they are, how perfect they are, or believe they are. And as we approach Jerusalem then, They're going to see some of this in action. So Jesus wants them to listen, as he does for us today, so that we can hear the truth. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector or a publican. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we've got this morning to look into your word. Father, we pray that you'll open up our ears, Father, our minds, our hearts, that we'd be receptive to what you've got to say to us through it. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. And Father, that we would leave this place knowing that we've met together in the presence of a living, holy God. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So, here we have a scenario. Straight off the bat, we see these Pharisees. And they, well, you know, they probably weren't quite as great as they thought they were. Now, nevertheless, they would be living, as far as everybody around them saw, they'd be living perfectly. But we also know, don't we, that they're made of the same stuff as we are. And the reality is, that the mind runs away with itself, doesn't it? The reality is that we can't be nice all of the time. Can we? Stick your hands up if you're perfect constantly. There's messages for you. <laughs> you see, the reality is that we all make mistakes. We all get things wrong. So not one of us could stand there and say, well, look at me, look how perfect I am. Because we've been a right mess. And the reality is here, Jesus is going to say, and and speak into society, the times that these guys were in, and say, look, this is what you've seen, this is what you think is right, this is how you've been told is the way to live, but actually what I'm going to tell you is the complete opposite of this. They are miles away, they are not listening, and they don't understand because they are so full of their own righteousness. We've seen and heard the Pharisees in action before. But the crowd, listening and hearing, they're hearing this. You have to remember, put yourself in the story. They're hearing this for the first time. And as we go through this parable, they'll be like, what? It's our whole structure of society is going to be turned on its head. They're about to be completely and utterly shocked at what Jesus says. No doubts about it. Even perhaps a little bit of, you know, that conversation when you hear Jesus say it, you would be like, well, I told you that weren't right. I knew they shouldn't be standing on street corners and declaring stuff like that. I said to you it can't be right, didn't I, Gene? You did. I digress, it's not in there, Gene's not there. And there might even be the opposite end of the scale as well that are just completely perplexed because they thought, well, Of course I'm righteous, and of course I can lord it over people, because I live according to the law. So there'd be a few people sort of going, this is a bit random. Jesus contrasts a Pharisee with a publican or a tax collector. One of these people in society is seen as holy, and the other one, well, something to be hated. That's the reality we've got the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. It's a stark contrast and Jesus is about to flip it and their society and culture on its head. The Pharisee stands on the street corner in his own self-confidence and righteousness. Look at me. I do all I'm required to do. I live how I'm required to live. I am holy. I am perfect. And thank you, God, that I am not like everybody else. Thank you that I am not like that tax collector over there. Did he hear me? I'll say it a little louder. Thank you, God, that I am not like that tax collector over there. And we stand here or sit here this morning and like straight off the bat, we can see that that is inappropriate. That is not normal behaviour. But you see, what we have to be careful of, church, is these aren't things that we audibly say because that's not acceptable in our culture, is it? But we have to be careful what the mind does because the mind can wander and the mind can say, you know at least I'm not like them. At least I've never done that. And you've heard me say, Romans 3, 23 before, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Tell me in here, raise your hand if you're not a sinner. Unanimous. It's funny is isn't it? You see, because we've all done things wrong, and the reality is that sin separates us from God. Whether it be, in our minds, a small sin, or whether it be in our minds, oh, diabolical, they are still sin. And every single one of them, however small or big we like to put a label on it, nevertheless, they separate us from God. So who am I? Who are you? Who are they to stand on the street corner and say, look at me, look at what I've done. And socially, even though this parable is giving us an insight, socially this would not have been out of the ordinary, whether verbally expressed or non-verbally through actions of, you know those ones? Or even, Excuse the facial expression. The raised eyebrows. The look of shock and disgust. That they would look like that. That they would dress like that. Oh, that they'd say something like that. Thank you, God, that I'm not like them. And all of a sudden, something that seems so completely out of the ordinary that we never put ourselves in a position of doing, it. well, the Bible's talking to us this morning. And we have to be super careful at the way that we act and the way that we behave And the way that, well, the outward face expression says what the heart is thinking. The Pharisee felt completely and utterly secure in his work. Look at what I have done. Look at how I behave. He says he stood by himself and prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Listen to what he does. What a guy. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Completely in line with the law. He looks so perfect, doesn't he? And he felt completely and utterly secure. And the tax collector, well, he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He feels completely and utterly insecure. He feels condemned because of who he is. Listen to how he prays then in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He didn't even want to go near. How could I possibly go near? I might get struck down. How can I possibly go near? I can't mix with these people. They're so holy and lovely and wonderful. Listen to what he's saying. He thanks God that he's not like me. How could I possibly go near? He stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But, church, this tax collector, this publican, he shows a contrite heart. He knows he's not good enough. He knows he's not being good enough. He knows right now in this moment he is not good enough. Yet he also knows that God is a God of mercy. As he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And simply not being given what we deserve. God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of grace and of mercy. This is the God who we serve, amen? This is the God who we're here this morning to bring our praise and our adoration to, a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who has an attentive ear to listen to those of us that would say, Lord, I'm sorry. Isn't that the most wonderful thing for your child to come and say to you when they've done something wrong? Not just, I'm sorry. How often do we say to our kids, say it like you mean it? Like that's going to make a difference in the moment. I said I'm sorry. Why are your teeth gritted? You see, God wants us to be in a position where we know what we've done is wrong, where we know that we've sinned, where we know also, church, that there is a place where we can find forgiveness, there is a place where we can find salvation, there's a place where we can find grace and we can find mercy. Church, this moment that we see from this tax collector, this brings good news to you and me. It's why we're here. Not because we are holy and blameless. Not because we've achieved perfection. Not because we've earned our salvation and our righteousness. No, not at all. But because Christ has done all that he needed to do in order for you and i sinners like you and me to come back into a relationship with him to say lord i am sorry for my sin this is great news isn't it the parable is absolutely good news why well listen to verse 14 jesus says i tell you that this man the one that we've just talked about the tax collector rather than the other went home justified But he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He wasn't keeping to the law. He wasn't fasting twice a week. He wasn't giving a tenth of all he had. Yet Jesus says, I tell you the truth that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's incredible. It's completely opposite to what you'd expect from the word. It's completely opposite to what the world tells us is religion. It's the complete and utter opposite. I cannot achieve it. On my own merits, it is completely impossible. I cannot earn it. I cannot do anything other than say, God, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. That is the first port of call. Outside of that, there is nothing that we can do. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much you give to charity. Doesn't matter how nice you are on a day to day basis. Doesn't matter how many times a week you fast. All of that is completely and utterly irrelevant if the heart is not right before God. Amen? It is completely and utterly irrelevant unless our heart is in a position where we has said, God, I am sorry for the sin in my life. And listen, we remember and we know what I've been saved from, eternal separation from God. I've been saved from that and I've been saved to a relationship with a perfect and holy God. That is something that as Christians we do not forget. I don't need to look back and go, look how terrible I was, look how awful I was, look how horrendous I was. It's not about looking back and saying, well, I can never move on from that person that I was, because in Christ, the Bible says I am a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So I'm not looking back and going, look, I'm terrible. I can't possibly move anywhere further than this point where I just continually say sorry and I never actually do anything. I know what I've been saved from and I know what I've been saved to. So we push forward for God. And churches, we see this and we understand this parable and we see what Jesus is saying to those around about him. We see today, this morning, that we have the exact same privilege. If you've got your Bibles, again, turn over. Solomon's got the verses on anyway. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4 through 9 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. God made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. The word there in the Greek is nekros, which is dead. When I say dead, I mean fully dead. Not like, oh, I'm just out for a bit, but I'll be back round after resource. No, dead, fully dead, completely dead. We've covered this before. You couldn't be any deader if you tried. Is that a word? You couldn't be more dead if you tried. Completely and utterly dead. And the Bible tells us that while we were sinners, Christ did something for us. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And listen, Paul goes on to say, he made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. "...being given what we don't deserve. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us, you and me, in Christ Jesus." For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Listen, not by works so that no one can boast. You know the knock on the door that you get? And they say, this is what we've got to do. Well, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through 9 tells me some completely different news. You see, because I can't work for it. I can't earn it. There is no way I can achieve it. God says it's by grace you've been saved, not by works so that anyone can boast. I can't stand on the street corner and say, look at what God, oh, look at how wonderful I am. Look how great I am. Look at what I've achieved. Look at what I've done. No. It's by grace I've been saved, not by works. I can't boast. The only thing I boast in is Christ, amen? That is the only thing he is the only one that we can boast in. But by grace we have been saved. But because of what Christ has done for us, God in his rich, lavish love for you and for me should send his very best to the worst of us. This is what we have in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. How remarkable is that verse? If you've not got it highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. If you don't like highlighting your Bible, write it down. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. And the Bible says he'll purify us, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The old me, done away with because of Christ. And we come to the foot of the cross, knowing that God has done what needed to be done for people like us. We're not going to stand on the street corner. We're not going to stand and lord it over people. No, no, no. But by grace I've been saved, not by works. Who am I to boast? This is our promise from God. If you haven't yet made this step, church, then do not delay. If you're here this morning for the first time and you think, well, it's just by accident I'm here. No, listen to the word. Listen to what God is saying to you through his word and make the step. Church, the, the idea is that there is no delay. Don't rely on our own righteousness. Well, I'm not as bad as them. I've never really done anything wrong. Have a look at the Ten Commandments and see how many you've kept. If you tick five off, you've done well. I guarantee you won't tick them on. The Bible is very clear. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we cannot rely on our own righteousness because that's absolute folly step into what god has promised for you and for me the word is so clear this morning church it's really simple it doesn't take a great mind doesn't take a great thinker it takes one who's got a contrite heart and says lord i am sorry please come into my life and change me from the inside out please forgive me for my sin and make me new in you that is as simple as it is church that is the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the cross. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we can receive as we come to you, Lord, and we say sorry. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would come to you without delay, confessing our sin and knowing that you can and will deal with it. Father, speak to hearts. We praise Lord, uh, pray, Lord, that you will heal wounds. Father, that you will raise people back to life. Father, from death to life, as we hear and understand that you are able to do those things. Father, we pray for those this morning that, as we've seen, that are dead in sin. And, Father, we ask that they might see you. Father, they might receive life today. Father, you are able, you are God, you're full of grace and mercy. Oh Lord, that you should save a sinner like me. And Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to be with us as we worship and we lift high in the name of Jesus. And Father, again this morning, we just want to thank you for the ladies in our life, Father, for the mums. Those that, Father, protect us, put their arms around us and give us a glimpse of the love that you have for us. We just thank you, Lord God, and we celebrate them today. We thank you for them. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing for us. Just continue to be with us as your church. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.